So we're continuing this series that is called Shape, where we're taking some time to be able to understand a little bit more about how God has shaped, wired each one of us uniquely to be able to uh, play a role in the world uh, that he created. And we started this series off a couple of weeks ago by talking about the idea of God as the master craftsman. And we talked about God as a painter, God as a songwriter, God as a gourmet chef, God as a wood turner, and this recognition that God looks at each one of us and says, I see a masterpiece in you. And that from the beginning of our lives, God sows that into us, an understanding of the ways in which we can make a difference in the world. We're using this acronym SHAPE because it's a really helpful way of being able to understand a little bit more about who we are. So SHAPE stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality and experiences and so we're going to unpack that uh, as we continue through this series and uh, I've mentioned throughout that Rick Warren from Saddleback Church is the one who originally came up with that very very helpful acronym and uh, it's been used in lots and lots of places around the world uh, over the years. So last week we talked about spiritual gifts and uh, as we just said in hearing Sheena's story, I hope that that was helpful for you and that you took some time to be able to do that. A couple of things that I would add into what we've already mentioned about them. The first is don't feel limited by whatever the results are. So you might have looked at that and thought, okay, well that's my spiritual gift, that top three or four that you got, that's it, that's who I am. I can't do anything other than that. That's definitely not true. So you would have had some other gifts that would have been close. And part of understanding everything that we're talking about this series is to see it as a bit of a snapshot. So it's kind of like a photograph. And just like in photographs, it captures what's happening right now. But a year from now, five years from now, ten years ago, some of those things might have been different. And so it's about being able to say, this is what's going on for you right now. And so don't feel limited by that. God can use us in all sorts of different ways. And uh, so if you felt like, I really wanted some of those other gifts or whatever, that might be something that can emerge for you as we continue to move forward. The other thing is I do want to reinforce what Sheena said. It is a really helpful way of us being able to remember this is how I'm wired and this is why I see the world the way that I do. And as we're going to talk about today, this is why I'm passionate about the things that I am. But everyone else has had those same experiences about completely different things. And that's what we've mentioned throughout and we've talked about that a fair bit through this year is this recognition that that's why it's so important for us to work together and to be able to cheer each other on and to encourage each other about the different gifts that people have got. This isn't about us finding out who we are and then saying everyone else should be the same. It's about us being able to say, oh, that makes sense and that's why I need to play the role that I do. However, everyone else is also having that experience and so we want to work together in the midst of that. So as I said, if you uh, weren't here last week or if you lost the spiritual gifts assessment and you want to do it, then please let me know. I've got some that I can give you afterwards. And uh, if you're watching online or if you're listening to the podcast and you want a copy of that, I can send you an, uh, a version of that electronically as well, a link to a website that will do it. So today we are talking about our hearts and our passions. And as we begin, I want to ask you to think about why it is that you say yes or no when someone asks you to do something. So when someone comes up to you and says, would you be able to help out with this or would you be interested in doing this? Why do you say yes or why do you say no? For some of us, we don't say no very often because we're worried about offending someone else. And so we say yes to the majority of things that we do just because we're worried about other people's opinions of us. We don't want to let other people down and so we just say yes immediately. For others of us, we feel like our life is completely out of control and so our default is to say no because we feel like I don't have any more space or any more time to be able to do anything else. And so we kind of lean over that way. 
Sometimes we respond based on how we're feeling, so how we're feeling physically, how we're feeling emotionally can affect the decisions that we make. But the best version of how we respond to someone asking us to do something is to say, is this something that I want to be able to do? Is this something that I'm passionate about? And that gives us the ability to say yes to the things that we are passionate about and that we want to do, but also to be able to say no to the things that we don't want to do and that we're not passionate about, which frees us up to be able to continue to say yes to the things that we are excited about doing. And so that's what we want to unpack a little bit today is to talk about this idea of our heart. And whenever we read about our heart in scripture, we're talking about the deepest parts of who we are, our passions, our motivations, the things that drive us and the things that inspire us to do the things that we do. So we're going to take a few minutes to explore a number of different verses uh, about what the Bible's got to say about our heart. So the first one is what we looked at earlier when we did that responsive reading. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. So this is pretty amazing to recognise that our heart actually contains God's instruction manual, that God's written that onto the very depths of who we are. And we understand that there's a joy, there's a sense of things being right, things being the way that they're supposed to be when we align ourselves with God's best, with the way that God created us to be able to live. Our understanding is that God's written that into the very depth of our heart, the way to live, his instructions, his teachings, guidelines are sewn into the very fabric of our being. And all of us have those experiences at different times. We intuitively know the times when we're living the way that God wants us to live and we intuitively know the times when we're not living the way that God wants us to live. Sometimes we think of that as our conscience. Sometimes we think of that as conviction that the Holy Spirit gives us. To me, it kind of all just meshes together. But it's this understanding that we do have it inside of us, a deep understanding about the way to live and the way not to live. It's written into who we are. Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. So this helps us to understand that not only has God written his instruction manual onto our heart, but our heart also helps us to understand the deepest yearnings that we have inside of us. And this is an interesting concept because when we read this verse, and I've heard different people say it at different times, we can kind of see that it means that if we do what God wants, then God will give us what we want. If we do the things that God wants, then he'll give us the things that we want. And it kind of ends up being a little bit like Father Christmas. If I'm really good throughout the year, then I'll end up getting the presents that I want to be able to get for Christmas. And we can kind of think of God that way sometimes. If we're really good, then God will give us the things that we want. But there's actually something far deeper that's going on here. This isn't just about things that we want, possessions and stuff. This is about the deepest yearnings that we have, about the sense of fulfilment that every single one of us really crave, the sense of purpose that all of us have to be able to say, what is my life all about? And what we're told is that when we trust God, when we take delight in God, when we allow ourselves to be inspired by who God is and live the way that he's created us to live, then our heart's desires end up being fulfilled. A number of people have put it this way, that all of us have a God-shaped hole inside of us. 
And I think this is a really helpful analogy. To be able to say that we all try to fill that hole with all sorts of other stuff at different times. We try to fill it with status. We try to fill it with possessions. We try to fill it with relationships. We try to fill it with busyness. We stuff all of these things into this God-shaped hole that every one of us have got. But ultimately, none of that satisfies us. Ultimately, it doesn't fulfil the deepest yearnings that we have. It doesn't fulfil our wants. Ultimately, God is the only one who can fill the God-shaped hole that's inside of us. And when we allow him to do that, we discover that our deepest wants are fulfilled. But there's something else that's going on here as well. When we really trust God, when we throw ourselves on God, when we do take delight in God, when we enjoy God, when we seek our happiness in God, then our heart is changed and aligned to fit with what God is all about. And so what we discover is that actually our wants and desires and yearnings line up with God's heart and desire and yearnings. And so of course God wants to give us those desires of our heart because they're the same things that he's got. And so the more that we spend time with God, the more that those things become our desires and our yearnings as well. So again, all of this is baked into our DNA, sewn into the fabric of who we are, into the best version of who each one of us was created to be. And so if we focus on that, then we can allow that to shape our motivations, our desires and our passions. Jesus puts it this way. We always love to come back to what Jesus has got to say on these sorts of subjects. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. So we understand that our heart is ultimately shaped by the things that we treasure, the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the things that we spend time doing, the people that we spend time around, all of that ultimately shapes us. And so the more time that we spend with God, the more time that we spend reading scripture, the more time that we spend around other people who are passionate about following Jesus, the more time that we spend praying, the more time that we spend reflecting and journaling, the more that we allow our hearts to be shaped by God. And those wants and desires that we have continue to be filled. But we also understand that our heart ultimately is the thing that shapes our actions. Our heart ultimately shapes our thoughts, which shapes our words and shapes the things that we do. And Jesus talks quite a bit about this, that we do the things that we do because of what's going on in our heart. And so Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20, we're not going to look at it today. You might want to spend some time looking at that throughout this week. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is being challenged because he's saying some pretty radical things about whether we need to tap into some of the religious practices. And so the Jewish leaders were having a very hard time because Jesus was effectively saying, actually, it doesn't matter about the things that you do externally. And in particular, he was talking about the idea that the food that we eat can allow us to be aligned with God's best or not. And Jesus says, ultimately, the things that you eat go through your body and come out the other end. If you don't believe me that he says that, you can feel free to look it up. But that's because Jesus said it, not me. But ultimately what he says is it's not that that makes us clean or unclean. It's not the stuff that we bring into ourselves and it's not even the external things that we do. It's what's happening in our heart that ultimately shapes the things that we do. And so we should pay far more attention to what's going on inside than being so worried about the external things that are happening or what we're putting into our body. 
couple of examples of how this plays out. So we know that a few weeks ago, Bill Randall was uh, taking a walk along the Esplanade as he loves to do and had a fall. And so unfortunately, as we know, he cracked his pelvis. And so he's continuing to rehab from that. One of the things that he said when it happened is that he had a whole bunch of people who came and rushed to his aid when that happened. A whole bunch of people who came to say, are you okay? And some people who said, please don't move. Some people who called the ambulance and got things organised. Now, those people did that because that's what was in their heart. I'm sure none of them stood back and said, hmm, what's the right thing to do in this situation? What should I do here? Should I go and help this person? What would Jesus have to say about this subject? It was just the natural outflow of what was in their heart. I need to go and help this person. If we think about this from the complete opposite perspective, someone who lashes out and hurts someone else doesn't do that because they've been through a big, long, rational process of thinking through, this is what I'm going to do today. And they may have spent some time thinking about some stuff, but all of that is just fed by what's going on inside of them. What's happening in their heart is what causes them to lash out. And that's not to excuse that behaviour in any way whatsoever, but just to say it's a response to what's inside that causes people to do the good things that they do and to do the bad things that they do. What we do ultimately flows out of our heart. So from a bigger picture perspective then, as we zoom out and come back to this idea of our shape and particularly our heart and our passions, we can understand that over time, God shapes our heart. God shapes our passions and our motivations to give us clarity about the things that we want to be involved in. Last week we talked about our spiritual gifts help us to understand what we do when we serve. One way of being able to understand about our heart is that our heart helps us understand why we do the things that we do when we serve, the motivation behind the choices that we make about how we get involved in things. And there's two ways that this works. We can either understand the things that we love doing and be able to understand a bit more about our heart because of that, or the things that absolutely drive us crazy also give us an understanding about how God has shaped our heart. So some examples of that. Think first about the idea of the things that we love doing. Someone who works or volunteers in aged care is possibly someone who says, I just love the opportunity to be able to come into an aged care facility and to be able to spend time with the residents, to be able to give them a sense of joy, to be able to just bring them something each day, to be able to sit and listen to them, to be able to encourage them, to be able to support them and to be able to help them. They do it because that's what they love doing. They've got a passion for that. At the other end of the age spectrum, we think about people who love to be involved with kids. They just love kids. They love seeing kids being able to grow and learn. They love being able to see the sense of joy that kids have got. And so they get involved as a teacher or they get involved in God's gang or playgroup or youth, being able to say, this is something I just love coming alongside of kids or young people and being able to support them. It doesn't always have to be about people, though. It can also be about other things. So for me, one of my passions, one of the things that I love doing is being able to develop resources that help people to take their next steps in their walk with Jesus. So this series is fantastic because we've got the opportunity to be able to develop these resources, be able to find out what resources are around and be able to modify them so that they're the most helpful for us and to be able to give them to you, to be able to say, here's a way of you being able to understand more about what God has got for you 
about your next steps in your walk with Jesus. So it's not just about people stuff, it can also be about the sorts of things that we enjoy doing outside of spending time with people as well. So that's the things that we love doing. And generally when we think about our heart and our passions, that's what we think about. But we can also understand a bit more about our heart because of the things that drive us absolutely crazy. This has been called by different people the idea of a holy discontent. The sense of being able to say, I can't stand this any longer. I have to get involved and do something about it because I just can't stand by and watch. So we think about people who get involved with uh, people who are struggling with poverty. And they say, I can't stand the idea that today there are going to be kids around the world who just will not get to eat. That drives me so crazy that I have to get involved. I have to do something about it. I've got to get involved with an organisation who's making a difference in that area. For some people, it might be about literacy. To say, I can't stand the idea that a young person would grow up without the ability to read or write and to miss out on a whole bunch of stuff that could be a part of their future. And that could be someone here in Australia, we think about our Indigenous communities, or it could be about someone in the developing world. Being able to say, I can't stand the idea that someone would miss out on all of that. I have to get involved in helping them to be able uh, to learn how to read and write and set them up for the rest of their lives. Again, it doesn't have to be people-oriented, so one of the things that I can't stand is disorder. Now, just to be clear on this, this is not about neatness, and if you don't believe me, come and have a look at my office afterwards. This is not about me being a neat freak, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's not about me being OCD. But it's about the idea of saying, when I see an organisation or a group or a team or a person who's not fulfilling all that they can, where there's just disorder, there's a sense of chaos, or there's even just a sense of a lack of clarity about what are we trying to do, I can't stand that. I have to get involved and be able to say, let's bring some order here. Let's work out what are we trying to do and why are we trying to do it? And then let's talk about how we can move forward in that. And again, whether that's from a bigger picture perspective or whether that's just in someone's life to be able to see us, see the potential in you. And if you could just get these things organised, then look at all the stuff that would open up for you. I can't stand seeing that disorder. I've got to do something about it. We can think about some examples of people in scripture and you might think of some other ones or spend some time thinking about this throughout this week. A couple that came to mind for me are David. So you think about David who just loved music. David knew the impact that music could have. He knew the impact that it had on him, but he knew the ways in which it could be used by other people as well. He had this huge passion for it, and so because of that, he writes these amazing psalms that thousands and thousands of years later, we're still referring to, and we're still using as a way of being able to connect with God. He had this massive passion to be able to be involved in that. We think about Paul. He was someone who would say, I can't stand the idea that people would be excluded. If the truth about Jesus is that he's done everything necessary for all of us to be welcomed and embraced as a part of God's family, then I can't stand this idea that people would miss out on being able to experience that because of their race or because of their background or because of their gender or because of their socioeconomic status. The church should be a place where everyone is completely welcomed. I can't stand the idea that people would miss out on that. We have to do something about it. And you don't have to spend a long time reading Paul's letters to be able to see how passionate he is about that. Throughout scripture, throughout history, and you would have countless examples of people that you can think of as well. 
when we understand the things that we love doing, when we understand the things that we can't stand, it shapes our heart and gives us this massive motivation to say, I have to get involved in this. I want to get involved in this so that I can make a difference. So, I want to give you an opportunity to be able to do a little bit of reflecting on that and then there is going to be a take-home next step for you, which I'll talk about after this. But initially, I just want you to spend a couple of moments thinking about how has God shaped my heart? How has God shaped my heart? And so that might be just initially thinking about some of the thoughts that you might have to say, what are some of the things that I love or what are some of the things that I can't stand? You're going to unpack that further as you go through this week, but just what are some of the initial thoughts that you might have? But for some of us, it might also be an opportunity to say, did you know that it's okay to tap into your heart? Did you know that's something that God wants you to do? Because God wants to give you the desires of your heart. God wants to fulfil those deep longings and yearnings that every single one of us have. And so this is a really great process for us to go on. And so it might be saying, God, help me understand more about my heart or help me to have a greater sense of excitement about the things that you've placed in me or even open my eyes to a greater sense of what that can all look like. So take a couple of minutes, you can jot some thoughts down, you can talk to the person next to you, just what's kind of jumping out as you think about this idea of how God has shaped your heart. We'll come back, share some resources and pray and transition to communion.
So, I'll have my helpers come forward and uh, you'll be pleased to know that this week's activity is far less complex than last week's. There's not 133 questions that you have to go through. <clears throat> so, this is really just an opportunity to reflect on a few questions and to think about uh, your answers to those. And what I want to encourage you to do is to think about doing this uh, at some point today, tomorrow, tomorrow night. So, early in the week, take a few minutes and just spend some time with it and jot down your initial thoughts, but then come back to it towards the end of the week. Because I guarantee you that as the week rolls on, there'll be a bunch of things that kind of start, oh yeah, that's a good thing for me to put down as well. So take some time to be able to do that. And then towards the end of the week, then just look through it and be able to say, there's some key themes that I see that are emerging or some key words or key phrases uh, that might help me to understand a little bit more about my heart and my passions. And so the last question is an opportunity to be able to write some of that down. And uh, as I've said, at the end of the series, there's going to be a summary sheet that you're going to have where you'll be able to jot those things down. So once you've finished it, just put that aside with your list of spiritual gifts and uh, you'll be able to look at that uh, at the end. The other thing I want to say with this is dream big. So one of the big dangers when we do an activity like this is that we can be very rational and just, oh, we've got to kind of think rationally about this. And the first question actually addresses that. The first question is to say, if I could do anything and time wasn't an issue, money wasn't an issue, and failure wasn't an issue, then what would I do? And I've always found that to be one of the most helpful questions to help me understand more about what my sense of passion was at any given moment. Because we all rationalise that and say, well, I don't have time for that, or I don't have the money to do that, or that would mean that I'd have to leave my job, or I might fail, and so I don't know, maybe I don't want to step into that. So if you take those three things off the table, Generally, there's this sense of imagination that can start to kick in to be able to say, huh, actually, I am really keen on this. And so with a number of the questions, try and do that. Just don't worry about rationalising, don't minimise things, but really tap into what it is that God might be saying to you as you spend your time with that. As with last week, if you have any issues with it or you want to talk about it further, uh, then please feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to help you out with that more, but I hope that that's something helpful as we continue to make our way forward and understand more about what God's got for us. So I'm going to pray and uh, then we'll transition to communion. God, once again, as we said at the beginning, we're so grateful for your heart, that your heart always has been filled with love, filled with a sense of inclusion, filled with a sense of what does it mean to bring people in. And so I thank you that this series is not about us trying to dig away at some secrets that you've hidden away from us, but it's about being able to discover some things that you passionately want us to be able to discover have been there the whole time. We thank you for our hearts that you have written your instruction manual on our hearts, that you give us an understanding to the core of who we are about what it means to live the way that you created us to live. And we thank you that our heart is shaped by the things that we focus on and that we spend time doing and that you desperately want us to continue to explore what that means and to be able to find more and more joy in the sense of stepping out into the things that you've put on our hearts. And so I pray that as we go through this week, that you would help us to catch a glimpse of what it is that you see in us. That as we take some time to reflect on the things that we have always loved, the things that we have always been passionate about, the things that we just get driven crazy by, 
the things that are top of mind for us, those things that we would love to do if a whole bunch of other things weren't in the way, that you would awaken a sense of excitement in us about what it means to really tap into those deepest yearnings and longings that you've got for us, about what it means for us to continue to embrace this idea of fulfilling the purpose for which you created us. So as we step into this week, thanks that again we do it all with you, that you'll be with us as we go through each day, and that as we spend this time reflecting, that we can hear what you've got to say to us. In your name we pray. Amen.